Inspiring stories, practical applications. Doing ministry well. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash doingministrywell. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for checking into another episode of Doing Ministry Well. Another living room session here today um, in the beautiful Manoa Valley, and I am joined here today with uh, by June Camacho. June, thanks so much for being on the show. Oh, I'm glad to be here. June. Thank you for Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, June, it's a real honor to have you here. Um, you have done a ton of stuff in ministry, and I really respect all the things that you've done. And I also just really respect the way that you are humbly serving now in uh, kind of just a really servant leadership role that's really done behind the scenes. Um, but I know that you just have so many more skills that are really just untapped. Um, but yeah, I just, I really appreciate your, your humility in that and just plugging in where there's, where there's need. And I hope in the next season that you really get to get to flourish. I, I know that you're headed back overseas pretty mm-hmm. soon and, and, uh, I'd love to see you in action overseas. That'd be a lot of fun. But Amen. yeah, June, just tell me a little bit about, um, how long you've been doing ministry and uh, kind of what some of the things you have done in ministry in the past. Well, I've been in a ministry um, since college. That was about 27 years ago. But I've been, yeah, I would say missions for the last 25 years. Yeah, and uh, one of the things I've done, um, when I first joined ministry, I was volunteering the university ministry in Manila. So early on when I joined ministry, I, I like to um, uh, sh- share the gospel to people. Mm-hmm. So in the early days, uh, sometimes I look like crazy just <laughs> standing in the midst of hundreds and hundreds of university students and just preaching the word, you know, just sharing the gospel and uh, distributing tracts. And, and not long after that, I, I got the call to India and I went to India for about 20 years and that's what have been my involvement is and then five years ago God spoke to us to leave in the indefinite and come to Hawaii and it was hard for me to, to leave India it took me almost two years to uh, but I had to be forced by the Lord I think mm-hmm. and, uh, and it's a beautiful place here so I'm glad I'm here yeah yeah, yeah that's awesome yeah. Um, so you were born and raised in the Philippines. In the Philippines, yeah, yeah. and then you moved to India and lived there for a little over half of your life, twenty years. Wow, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. What are you What are you currently doing uh, in ministry? Um, right now, I'm currently I'm helping. I'm just helping uh, our mission department in Waimanlulu, um accounting. We serve. Um, but I think over a thousand people and projects around the world through our small accounting office here. We help um, receive their support and uh, get it to them uh, from India to Afghanistan to Africa to everywhere in the world actually. Uh, so we do that every month. Uh, so I know what it is to be like in being in the field and just having someone who back them up. Um, mm. It's such a blessing. So, and also, I um, it seems like the Lord is opening a door for me this year. That I think from this year, maybe twice or thrice a year, I'll be uh, 
taking out teams for a couple of weeks, short-term missing trips to India and different countries. First one is in October, and about six churches are involved. So uh, that's going to be my involvement mm. uh, from now on. That's uh, awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I'd love to connect with you on one of those trips. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's What's been the highlight of all of your times in ministry? Is there a couple stories that you can think of that come to mind when I ask about the highlight? Yeah. I think highlight, that's a loaded word. Um, I have so many highlights. Um, I think one of the highlights in my ministry looking for, I remember when I left India 20, uh, five years ago and I was standing, we're having a kind of a bye-bye party for me. I was standing in front of about 200 people, um, Wyomers that I have been um, leading and I've been uh, investing my life for a long time and just looking at what they've done, what they're doing, what kind of ministry they're running. And I thought, I was reminded by um, Simeon, in the, I think it's in the, in the book of Luke, when he held Jesus in the temple and he says, Oh God, you can take me now. Mm. I can go home. You fulfill your promise. So I had a feelings um, five years ago. So I think, I guess the highlight is to be able to, to not just survive but thrive um, going into India in my, my prime time in my, in my early years and my young age and be able to help pioneer and start several YM bases in different places and and help plant quite a I would say a lot of churches quite a few churches and train the Indians and and to be missionaries and leaders so now I think a lot of leaders right there and I, I think that's um, the highlight for me yeah uh, that's awesome yeah. let's talk a little bit about uh, kind of church planting pioneering and, and training mm-hmm. up uh, Indian people to be missionaries what, is, what did that process look like over those 20 years well in the first couple of years it was kind of you know I'm a person who wants to see action uh, very quickly mm-hmm. and uh, I want to do a I mean, I want to see the fruit. But in the first two years, um, we actually had had no much ministry at all. We God led us to learn the language, and I'm glad I did because hmm. after two and a half year, uh, one and a half years learning the language, I begin to be- break through. And in North India, those days, almost pretty much everything is in Hindi. Even hmm. even the bus, uh, the taxis, the bus signs, road signs, pretty much in Hindi. So if you go anywhere, you have to know Hindi. Yeah. And I, um, after one and a half year learning it, and I begin to break through, and about two, two and a half years later, I started teaching uh, in our DTSs in Hindi. Uh, so it was really cool that I um, um, learned Hindi before. So I mm. think uh, that's a major um, right decision, I think, I did, uh, yeah. we did uh, in our, our missionary lives. So, yeah. And then just the process of uh, church planting and mm-hmm. then raising yeah. up Indians to yeah. be missionaries. What did, that, what did that look like? Well, a country like India, you, um, it's, it's not like America. You can just gather people and train them quickly, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the place where we went because there was, there was no Wyomers. There were no churches. There were no Christians in, in many places that we work with. So what we did is 
Um, we started with our language teacher. Our first convert and I would say recruit mm -hmm. is our language teacher. Mm -hmm. wow. and until today, 25 years later, he's still a YWAM wow. leader That's in ministry awesome. in India. He even went to um, um, Africa to run a school of uh, community development. Wow. So he's a leader in, in central India right now. And he was our Hindi teacher. Mm -hmm. So we began where we could reach out to people. Yeah. And then another guy, um, now he's a pastor, but he was a YM leader for a long time in YM. So the two guys were our first, um, and these guys are kind of professional guys, first recruit. So as we um, learn our language, begin to establish our ministry, we, we started a mission-based uh, training center in North India. And then we traveled to all these um, different places and cities to to recruit people. So we start, the first thing we did is discipleship training school. And eventually um, we multiply and run School of Frontier Missions. And, hmm. and then begin, from our training schools, we begin to venture into many places in North India, sending permanent teams to places to pioneer uh, and start churches and evangelism, things like that, which a lot of them are still there today. and. Uh, churches have been planted and trainings are being multiplied so that's awesome yeah so all all of north india is littered with people that we train <laughs> yeah wherever i go wherever i go um yeah that's i mean glory to god i'm just so um privileged to be able to uh, serving the lord in that capacity yeah that's awesome let's talk a little bit about how you received the call uh, to go do missions in India. I think probably some of our listeners, that's a big question for them. Maybe they have missions on their heart. Um, but yeah, just talk a little bit about your experience of of receiving the call to, to go to another nation and, and then plant there for 20 years. It began actually when I, when I first um, got converted to Christianity. I, uh, I was in a mess. I thought... I, I probably would have died maybe in a few years if I didn't become a Christian because I was into name whatever you can name drugs I was alcoholic and I was I mean just nasty life I had and when I came to Jesus um, God changed my life in such a way that I was so grateful that I said and I was still in college I said I'm gonna give my life to God I want to be used by you God I want to do something for you you saved me anyways. You 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 own me. So with that desire, um, I started serving the Lord in any way I can do. You know, through evangelism, just wherever I go, I just passionately sharing the word of God, and um, then serving the church. And then I, I went into this youth mission. Someone brought me this wine ministry, and actually, how the story goes is, I was living because I. Could I come from a Catholic background. My uncle was a priest. Two of my sisters are nuns, aunties are nuns, and another uncle is a priest. So I was living in my uncle, who's the priest's family. And when I be and I became born again, and, and um, they didn't want me to read the Bible. They were persecuting me. You know, I remember my uncle says, "If you read, keep reading the Bible in this house, you need to get out." Wow. And, and this is the, I was reading the Bible that they own, you know, right. the Catholic Bible, and of course, I like the NIV. Um, but, you know, while I was doing that, um, 
I didn't have any place to stay. Mm. But with them, so basically uh, every morning, five o'clock in the morning, I would go to the bathroom and read the Bible. <laughs> and uh, and one day, someone woke up really early and found me. Okay, I came out of the the bathroom with the Bible, and I knew that I can't stay in anymore. So I, I was I, I told my friend just uh, I'm looking for a job or a place to stay where I can grow. So he took me to Wyoming. Wow. And Tom Kramer was running a coffee shop and I wanted a job because I didn't want to squander my family's wealth anymore. So Tom <laughs> took me to the coffee shop. The first time in the history of the coffee shop, they took stranger. Wow. And I became, immediately became a full-time volunteer and uh, they didn't pay me. They said, <laughs> you can work here, but no pay, no food. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you can, but he said, but you can grow. Yeah. That's where the beginning is. So when I was there, I I just willing to just give up everything, my college, um, schooling, and family, everything. I said, Lord, I want to just do it. So every time I work in this coffee shop from 9 to 3 in the morning till afternoon, I would pray before working, pray after working. And I would sometimes, well, you know, washing those dishes and breaking maybe at least once a day. <laughs> and I would weep. And I said, God, I'm doing this for you, and I want to do more. Hmm. And eventually, I was promoted to be in the kitchen, and and there, you know, I, I remember cutting onions, and I would really, really cry <laughs> and said, God, I want to do something for you. Yeah. <laughs> While cooking, I would cry. And eventually, not so long later, they made me almost like in charge of the whole coffee shop. Hmm. So, uh, and I said, okay. Every time I work in the coffee shop, every shift, every three o'clock in the afternoon when I finish, I go upstairs to where we stay and pray. I have this whiteboard there, marker, and a map of the world. And I said, God, what do you want me to pray today? I'm going to pray for Angola today, Bulgaria, India, Afghanistan. So I would ask God specifically, how do you want me to pray for India? So that's how I began to get this mission Hmm. Uh, hard, you know. I want, I want to do something for God. So, and one day, um, the first time I heard the real clear voice of God through the Bible, and He said that I have called you to be my servant. And I remember having chicken skin, hmm. <laughs> and I keep doing that every shift. And then, um, and then He began to give me a heart for India. At that time, all I know about India is hot and poor and dirty, hmm. and. Um, and it's so cool because around about that time, some missionary who went to India passed through our coffee shop and shared in our Friday meeting. Hmm. And God gave me a very clear vision. Remember, God gave me a vision of, um, this is really cool, of a wall, you know, the arch wall, mm -hmm. gate, mm -hmm. all red bricks, mm -hmm. very vivid. So it's an entrance to a community and below the wall there's this small room and there's this huge lug as a chopping board and a big knife like that. Hmm. So that's a very vivid picture I saw and years later when I went to this place where we pioneering, mm -hmm. we pioneered the first um, training base, God spoke to me one intercession time. I said, do you remember the vision I gave you? I said, of course. Go and see. I went to this place. It's a place I've been buying meat from, buffalo meat from, yeah. long for quite a while now. And I went there to practice my 
um, language yeah. in Hindi. And I didn't realize that that was. <laughs> so I went back there and said, I look at this brick oh, arch wow. was. And just below it is a small room, both sides with a big log chopping board with a big knife. They were cutting this buffalo meat. Wow. And, and inside it is a Muslim community. And I said, oh, God, this must be the place hmm. you called me to. Wow. So it was a literal physical vision years ago. Uh, I mean, later, years after when I saw it. Yeah. When I have not even been to India. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's how God um, really started the process of call. And mm. I think it's, the, the main thing is that I was just ready. I said, yeah. God, you have me. And my parents didn't, my, my mom, of course, but my dad didn't want me to. They said, go for a higher study while you can afford it. I said, no, I'm going to serve the Lord. Mm. So, Wow. Yeah, that's What's, uh, what's been your biggest struggle in all of ministry, and uh, how have you overcome it? Struggle, biggest, um, I think, I don't really have um, a very um, a obvious struggle in ministry. I think what it is, is um, when we were in India, one of the biggest struggle and uh, stress, um, sources the visas mm. if you're a missionary very very few countries in the world welcome missionaries mm. india hates them mm. if they found you a missionary within 48 hours they can kick you out oh wow so and you will never be able to come back so um it was a uh, i remember uh, twice in india i was uh, denied visa and it was really sad because i thought i'll never go back and one time I also went inside India without visa, so they caught me in the airport. Oh, wow. I didn't have a choice because I didn't have money to go anywhere else but to go back. Because hmm. I went to Hong Kong and they denied me there, so <laughs> I only have one way back. Right. As a, but anyways, and that itself was a miracle because when I got to the airport, they said, you came in here illegally. So I, I, they detained me for a while, maybe a couple hours. So I was ready to be deported. But I think, I don't exactly remember how it went, but I think about two, after two hours of detaining me, I went to the, the immigration officer, the one who processed those passports. Mm -hmm. I was reminded by a, a teaching of Dean Sherman, an old teacher in Wyoming, teaching about spiritual warfare. So I went to this immigration officer and, and whispered in his ears. I said, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke the spirit that controls you. And then a few seconds later, I said, you sir, come here. Okay, he said, I'll allow you to come into India for 48 hours only. After that, you go home. <laughs> I went in. Wow. And that 48 hours ended up to be six months later on. Wow. That's another story. But yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, so that has been one of the, the, the most challenging thing. And um, I would say one of the things with Youth for the Mission in the early days is uh, finances was a big hmm. but it really never bothered me hmm. um, because I was I've seen God's faithfulness yeah. right from the beginning for 10 years in India we were struggling I remember when my, our first child was born Johnny in 97 we were already uh, only about 8 years in India and we didn't have money for milk we didn't have money for Sometimes for food the next day, and we mm. just give him water and 
and you know it's so easy to just have self pity and say God you're not caring for us and, and that never occurred to me mm. that didn't bother me at all I just trust in God's faithfulness and every single time he, he's, he brought us through till mm. today I've never seen God's God failing us in mm. any way wow never so that was a bit of struggle but we over, as you say we overcome it and I, I remember telling God one day I have a cool um, it's a long old lady but I have a cool story about this how we broke through I was in Delhi we, re, we came down from the Himalayas to Delhi to repine New Delhi because mm -hmm. Delhi was the capital but nothing was happening in terms of mission much so we went there and ready to just pour out our lives and give up our lives even physically if it's necessary and we were really poor uh, we were having a hard time financially because from the Himalayas to Delhi it's like five six times more expensive mm. and we didn't have really we had money but very our staff is in, in Delhi for uh, two of us were $250 a month Wow. and we only had about 100 150 that's it all we had mm. and uh, so we were in debt and stuff like that so I asked the Lord and then we had this um, uh, Korean couple join us from Korea and I remember when they first came in they had thousand dollars a month support and they just came in and I told G at one time I said G I wanna seek the Lord hmm. we are in debt I want to fast and pray indefinitely. It could be two days, three days, five days, ten days, fifty days. I want to fast until I hear God, until mm -hmm. we get breakthrough. And my wife, poor Jesus, said, yeah, we'll do it. <laughs> so we fasted two days, three days, good, four days. Just so that you know, on the fourth day of fasting is quite hard. <laughs> After that, it's better, but uh, on the fifth day, the sixth day, God spoke to me. He said, Jim, what you're thinking is not going to happen. What you're anxious about is not going to happen. Just go and eat. I've, I've heard you. Mm. And, and we did that. And, my gosh. And I, connecting it with this Korean couple, I told the Lord one day, I said, God, this is not, I'm not complaining. You know my heart. I told him, he said, I've been here for 10 years <laughs> and I'm still struggling. Mm. I'm tired of praying for finance. I want to pray for projects and other things. This couple, they just came and they have a thousand dollars a month and they have no problem with food and anything. Mm -hmm. And God told me, one of those times when uh, Excuse me. When maybe you can cut. Sorry, Jim. One of those times, when I uh, vividly hear God's voice and said, came to me and said, June, yes, you have been here ten, 10 years, 
and I have not been providing for all your needs or, or your wants or your needs on time and at times and yet you're still here and he said see this couple here if I don't provide that they won't be here so but you you're here and you trust me and I'm pleased with that basically says they didn't have the faith that you had oh. so um I told God right there and I said you know God from now on whether whether you provide our needs or not I don't really care. Mm. I'm going to serve you anyway. Mm. And uh, I remember from that time on, life has never been the same. Finance has never been the same. We do struggle, but the whole poverty mentality was just broken, mm. you know. Just as if your muscle is very strong, you know, like whenever you, you face some great needs, I, I don't have worry. Mm -hmm. um, God provides it or not, who cares? I'm just going to serve God. Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, I would say, um, a breaking point in my life in that. But, yeah, those are one of those stories that um, forever changed our lives and, and still changing our lives. Yeah. That's amazing. Thanks so much for sharing that, Gene. Um, Gene, the next question is, uh, what are three practical steps uh, that you could share with our listeners to doing ministry well? Well, I think, first of all, so you have a heart for it. Mm. I think... Mm -hmm. uh, it's so easy to just do ministry because we were, we're obliged to do it or, you know, people are doing it or our pastors or our friends. But I think my advice is that you must have the desire to do it mm. uh, yourself. Yeah. And God honors that. Yeah. So and the second, I think, the second thing that I could advise is that yeah, of course, you really, you really have to want to do it, but you really have to be willing to pay the cost that's involved, mm. which is, I'm, I'm sorry to say this, but it's going to be very inconvenient <laughs> uh, if we truly uh, follow the Lord. Um, because I think if we are not willing to, to pay the cost to go beyond where other people have gone or going, then we won't have our own stories of faith. Mm. And, and of course, I would say that the, the, third, the third one would be, I would say the first one and the third one is just obey. Mm. You know, when you have those, I'm not talking about obeying those big, loud, audible voice of God shouting at you, you go here, you go there. That's not what I'm talking about. Those, those small, small uh, impression that God puts into your heart every day. Mm. I think obeying those things that are 
going to be the key to op God opening more ministry for you. Wow. And I, 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 that's my lifestyle. I, I do that. You know, I small, small thing. I intercede a lot. I pray. I think. I talk. You know, sometimes I just I make it a habit. I drop my my kids to school and bring him back. And I always, wherever I go, I always be attentive to people as I, I see people outside. I, I just pray for them. You know, a lady walked there, said God. I pray that you'll be good to her. You know, I pray that you give her a wonderful husband. I pray that you'll save her. You know, yeah. give her a good. So kind of those small, small um, uh, impression that God puts in your heart. If you make it and if you just obey those, it becomes big. Yeah. Um, recently, um, I mean, even recently, there's, there's a lot of good things that happened that I didn't even expect. Sometimes I don't even have faith for it and it happened. <laughs> so praying for people, sharing the word, it's, it's crazy. There's so much opportunity every day wherever we are. I think we need to obey those small, small impressions that God puts in our hearts. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, let's go back and revisit those a little bit. You said the first one is just having a heart for it, not just doing it because other people are doing it or your pastor yeah. told you to do it. Mm -hmm. How would you say really cultivating that heart for ministry? How, do, how, does that, how does that happen? How do you grow in your heart for ministry? Well, for me, how it happened to me is... I just love God mm. and um, I just love his word uh, you, you, I don't know if you know you know me Jim uh, I, I, I just love his word yeah you're always listening uh, to audio I listen. Bible while you're filling out checks and checking requests I go fishing <laughs> I put my earphone to hear the Bible I just work in the office I whatever and it's just I just love the word and what it does to me is I noticed and I realized that there's really not nothing we can um, substitute for the word in terms of our of our, a growing love for God, mm. because how I found it is that you you begin to get a revelation of God's heart mm. that compels you to love Him more, and when you love Him more, what it is is you really catch what's in His heart, mm. and that is just to want to affect humanity in, in, a, in a big way yeah and so that's I think the way it happens to me is I think the more closer the more I strive to to devote myself to God uh, the more desire I have to just do it hmm. and and to the point that I am willing to sacrifice my life yeah um, uh, to even physically yeah. God dealt me with that before and I could say yeah yeah well, yeah, hitting on that second one, willing to pay the cost. I mean, you just you just said that you're willing to pay the cost even with your life and that God dealt with you in that area. What did, what did that process look like? Um, that was a very, very sad, um, not sad, but very serious, uh, I would say, uh, those um, solemn moments in my life. Um, mm -hmm. Early on, um, I already given my life in my early year um, in missions, I would, I said, Lord, I'd die for you anywhere. When I, until about almost seven years later, when I came to, re, to, when they call that, when reality, I went to a reality check. Mm -hmm. um, 
we are in the Himalayas, we, we've already planted a lot of work and trained a lot of people and it's like revival is, has been going on. We multiplied our bases into about 13 locations wow. within seven years. So we got everywhere and we, we had raised so many workers and good things are happening and then the Lord said go down to Delhi. Um, Wyomers have been trying Delhi for years and they come and go, no one could stay. So come down to Delhi. And it was a really hard decision. So okay, I go, you know, almost unwilling. When I went to Delhi, the first hundred days, our goal is that the first hundred days we will just saturate Delhi with prayer yeah. every single day. We go out morning, evening, we just go out and pray around strategic prayer where we start ministry. And um, and one day I have a I had a dream. Um, actually, I was doing a lot of evangelism with the university students and then the poor, other, or other team members and the poor. And one day God gave me a dream, um, but those are not the dream that you dream when you eat too much pizza or you know ice cream. But mm -hmm. those are dreams that I knew that I knew that it was God because mm -hmm. I was kind of half conscious. And God showed me this dream. I had this dream that there was a nuclear bomb that was dropped in Delhi and it was it's not one it was many mm. small small ones in almost every corner of Delhi there were nuclear bombs that had been set up killing people destroying the whole city and actually I didn't see killing but it was destroying the whole city so the government looked for the culprit who did this and make the short uh, story short, they found out it was me, <laughs> and I was immediately sentenced to be hung. Mm. And then I woke up, but I I kind of wake up, but wake up a little bit because I was kind of a little bit awake. Mm -hmm. And then the Lord spoke to me and said, "June, are you willing to give your life for this city, even?" it cost your life physically wow and I remember my kids you know had two kids at the time I think about two kids at the time yeah Jason was not born and I thought I, uh, see my kid they're young gee how's he would do because I, I really thought I, I could go anytime mm -hmm. pay the price so I thought of it, and then I went back to I said, God, okay, God, yeah, I will, I am. I could die anywhere. I want to die serving you. Mm. And um, you won't believe this, Jim, but fast forward it. Now, when the first Repioneer Daddy, we only had three people, few people. Mm -hmm. When we left, that's about um, early 2000. Yeah, someone already 2002, 2001, 2002. Fast forwarded about eight years, nine years. We had about 200 Wyomers and missionaries in Delhi. Wow. Uh, we had about 16 different ministries and about seven, eight bases. Now, I know what that means because God told me, are you willing to give up your life? Because he was showing me, he said, June, 
because of you there will be lights that are gonna be bursting in every corner of Delhi hmm. yeah the nuclear bombs right are, those are gonna be lights and um, I mean it, it's his glory I mean it's, hmm. so when I left Delhi when he asked me to leave uh, five years ago we haven't fulfilled that that's we were just beginning but to have a force of about 200 people that stayed for that long and grow in Delhi, that's the first time in the history of Wyoming, yeah. Delhi. Because all these old Wyomans who went there, they never, they couldn't stand it. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of situation. It's expensive. It's polluted. It's stressful. Just to live there, you need a lot of effort. Hmm. And people are aggressive. They just try to step on your face all the time hmm. so it was so I would say um, that dream and he, when I woke up and I, I had this conversation with God I think that's the time when I say God dealt with me that I will be willing to pay the price and hmm. I mean he did dealt me before that but that, that was a real thing yeah. Yeah. wow and then this last one just obey uh, the daily small impressions you kind of hit on that by just making sure you're praying for the people that you you see. Yeah. What are some other disciplines uh, that you're implementing or, or just ways that you're obeying the Lord uh, kind of on the daily? Well, I think, because I like people, you know, I like ministering to, to people, and that's one of my um, things, to pray for people. Um, I just also, I try to uh, make, to make, make sure I to intentionally look out for people. Mm. You know, when I, whenever I go to Manoa, for example, I look out for people, smile at them, start talking, wherever they are. I, I became friends with this old man. He's almost 90 years old and he's still driving. He was a veteran military. I became friends with him and he knows I'm a missionary guy now. And, and one day he just starts telling his story. And he said, oh, nobody believes me, but do you believe me? I said, I told him, I believe you. Oh. He has a sad life. Till he was 75 years old, he had a, they call him the stink kid. Because he had a leprosy in his esophagus. Oh, wow. All his life, he stinks. So he never married because of that. Oh. Everywhere, every career in the military, they told him. Until a, a Chinese doctor found out when he was 75 years old, and the technology mm -hmm. figured out they said, oh you had a leprosy in your esophagus oh, wow. so they, they basically took it mm. they, they cured it but it was too late for him mm. and just just having those type of people just being able to to hear them and then be free to tell their story it's yeah. just so rewarding mm. and uh, just an example or just praying for a random people yeah and sometimes I don't even have faith if they get healed or he healed, but right there they got healed. <laughs> so I, uh, so basically, I, I, yeah, I try to look up, look look for people, hmm. look them up. Yeah. So, I mean, not just the just giving in anything, even in the base, I like to be a blessing to anybody. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm going to ask you another question that's not on the list, but I really uh, appreciate how you and, and Gigi parent your children. You have three amazing kids, and they're just so well-behaved and, and smart, and they, they love the Lord, and they're talented. And, um, yeah, how have, you, how have you, what's been kind of your theory on parenting, and, and then how have you balanced that with ministry? 
Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm not the best person to ask about when it comes to balance. Um, in the early years, because I'm, I'm a pioneer, I, I'm always was driven. Hmm. I remember Gigi telling me, June, man, our kids sometimes they wake up in the night looking for that. Because I travel a lot, you know, visiting mm -hmm. our teams and teaching and all this. But I realized that when they were five years old, six years old, someone told me, you don't sacrifice your kids in the altar of ministry. Mm -hmm. And that really hit me. So, but I never, I never, I would say I never um, neglected my kids. Mm -hmm. But I see the importance. You have to work. We have to do something for the ministry. If not, then nothing's going to happen. Mm -hmm. It's good to take care of you. So you're right. There's a balance there. I think what it, one of the most important thing I learned, Jim, uh, in parenting is this. Every time I deal with my kids, I always have a revelation, and I would, or I would ask God, said, "How would you deal with your kids? How how do you deal with me in this matter?" And sometimes I don't have to ask it because God would say, June, you're doing wrong. That's mm. not how I did with you. Mm. So basically, God was uh, instilling his father heart in my heart. And I, I try to apply that as I can, but uh, I terribly failed. Uh, and his grace is enough. Mm. But, so we are just blessed with our kids. And um, you know if they're well behaved, but they just, we pray for them every day. We bless them every day. Mm. When they go to school, when they sleep, when they come back, it's just speak blessing. Wow, that's awesome. And I would tell every parents to do that. You know, the moment we felt them in, they're, they're in your tummy, just begin to pray for them every day. That's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. The last question for today is, uh, what's been inspiring you lately? Is there a book or a resource that uh, that's really getting you going? There's been quite a few, I think, but I would. Uh, I make it simple. I would go back to the word. Mm. Um, I've been really inspired by the word of God again and again, and I think what's been inspiring me lately, and trying to to inspire others, especially those who need it, is just the the vastness of God's grace. Mm. I mean, I it's beyond my mind. It's beyond my understanding. How you know? Always you can ask him. How could this be? How could that be? How, how could you accept me? How could you accept that guy? Or It's a mystery. And I think getting that revelation actually inspires me and expands my heart. Mm. Uh, I'd be more tender and gentle towards people, more gracious, uh, more or less, I would say less judgmental. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just... The word, I mean, his, his, his grace, one of the things that lately inspired me big time is his grace. And it's been uh, sitting in my heart again and again, although it's been for a long time, but it's been highlighted again. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm just, even in the Old Testament, it's the same thing. God's been gracious. Uh, the last couple of days, I've been, um, two, three days, I've been listening to, to the story of all the kings from... First uh, Samuel to the kings, and it's just the same thing. God's grace is yeah. God's graces. So that's um, in terms of resources. Um, there's a lot of resources out there, but um, that's all I can say for now. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome.
Gene, thanks so much for being on the show. I really uh, appreciate you as a person, and uh, yeah, just, just a great interview today. It was great to hear a little bit more of your story. So would you just close us up by uh, praying for our listeners? Yeah, thank you, Jim. I really appreciate this, and I'm just so blessed. Let's just um, pray for listeners. Um, Father, we thank you for the privilege of uh, being in you, being in your kingdom, being in your hands, and and just the privilege of being able to uh, serve you. Father, I pray for the listeners, Lord, that today that they're blessed, God. They're blessed by your presence. They're blessed by your uh, the stories that you've done through us and through me, Lord God. I just pray that they will, as I said, they will be willing to pay the price of following you, Lord, so that they will have their own story of your faithfulness, of miracles, of encounter with you in reality, Lord Jesus. Would you bless them, whatever they do. And Father, I pray that you raise these listeners, Lord Jesus, to be people who have a heart for mission, because you are a missionary God. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Gene, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this episode of Doing Ministry Well, you can help us out by rating, commenting, and subscribing on iTunes and sharing this podcast with your friends. Check out the podcast notes to find out more about today's guests and other resources mentioned on this episode. To find out more about Doing Ministry Well, check out our website, www.doingministrywell.com. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestion on who we should interview next, email us at doingministrywell at gmail.com. To find out more about me, your host, visit my blog at www.jimjessbaker.com. That's www.jimjessasinjessicabaker.com. All links are Amazon affiliate links and help us out when you make a purchase through them.